The latest Exchequer returns released this evening show that bumper corporation tax receipts are continuing to boost the state's finances. The public finances are enjoying an incredible streak of very good fortune. For years, the tech sector has been Ireland's golden goose. The eggs laid by Google, Apple, Meta, Stripe, Twitter and all the other multinational tech companies that have set up shop here have been worth many billions of euro to the Irish economy every single year. Corporation tax receipts for the first 10 months of the year now stand at 16.2 billion euro. But are the good times coming to an end? Or at least are they stalling? Twitter has announced that it's slashing its workforce in Ireland, while Meta will be cutting hundreds and maybe even thousands of people from its Irish payroll in the months ahead. The company directly employs around 3,000 people in Ireland and a further 6,000 people support its services here. There are job cuts coming at Stripe too, while Apple and Google have put the brakes on expansion plans. But just what is happening and why? And how will Ireland cope in the face of this tech correction? This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Connor Pope. Today, what trouble in the tech sector means for Ireland. Business and technology journalist Kira O'Brien and economics correspondent Omber Kennedy have some answers. Kira, last week there was a lot of talk about Twitter and job cuts there, but this week attention turned to Meta. Globally, what's been happening with Meta and why is it planning so many job cuts? This is something that's been, it's been signalled for a while, but we didn't actually know uh, when it was coming or how it was going to affect different areas of the business. So what's basically happening at the moment is, is that there was a report over the weekend from the, the Wall Street Journal that the company was planning massive job cuts. Now, we don't know the scale of those just yet. Uh, we will know over the next couple of days exactly how that's going to affect different teams. And obviously that is going to impact jobs in Ireland. I mean, Facebook directly employs 3,000 people here. There's another 6,000 employed at various sites across the country and that they would be contractors and people like that. Like with other tech companies, they're not just going to say, okay, we're going to cut 500 jobs from Ireland and 1,000 jobs in the US and we're going to cut 1,000 jobs here. It's going to be specific teams. So if you are on one of those teams where there is a focus, where they they have said this is their priority. So if you're on the metaverse, teams or the the privacy teams or the AI teams, you know, you're probably not, not that you'll completely escape, but you probably won't be as badly affected as say some of the the teams that I've been, been talking to people who said that they could possibly be at risk would be places like recruitment, where if they're, they're going to be slowing down, there is actually a global hiring freeze at the moment, but if they're going to be slowing down their growth, they're not going to need as many people, you know, looking after recruitment as they would have before. Mm. Potentially sales as well um, or other support services would be affected by this. Facebook is affected at the moment because, you know, there's been a, a, a massive downturn in the, the industries that it depends on. And there's been a, a back, kind of a rollback in advertising. There's been a downgrade in its um, in its valuation. I mean, if you look at yeah. what it was valued versus what it is valued as now. And look, they are they're they're moving into the metaverse, whether or not metaverse is going to be the savior of facebook i don't know and we might actually i'm interested in that because you've mentioned that there was the company has been devalued i think it's lost like more than 60 percent of its value it has over over the last 12 months which is a phenomenal amount of money and one of the reasons for that apparently is that investors don't love the metaverse no and meta has invested billions and billions of dollars in this metaverse Is it starting to look like that wasn't the wisest Mark Zuckerberg investment ever? 
it's hard to tell at this point because like, we're not really at the point where the metaverse has been widely tried out and then people have decided they don't like it. It's still very much in its infancy. Um, there are, it's, and it's not just Meta that's in, investing in the metaverse. You know, there are a lot of companies that are getting on board with this as a commercial thing. Facebook is trying this Horizon Worlds thing. They were hoping for 500,000 monthly active users visiting these virtual worlds. So you can, you know, go in and you can talk to friends or you can talk to strangers. Personally, it's my idea of hell having to stand in a mm. room full of virtual strangers. Um, but they've actually rolled back on those those uh, those figures. Now they're kind of hoping for around 200,000. But the problem is, is that people aren't taken to it in the way that they hoped. Now, that doesn't mean that that is it, that it's never, people are never going to take to it. Because if you look at things like um, smart speakers and digital assistants, you know, people didn't use those at first. The idea of talking to your phone or dictating something to your phone was just absolutely cringy. But my children, my eight-year-old, my five-year-old, even my two-year-old niece tries to talk to Alexa and Google and Siri when they want something. Um, to the point mm. where they try to talk to the TV. So it's natural for them. So just because we find it horrible at the moment and just because I think that the metaverse is my idea of absolute hell doesn't mean that it's not going to be successful. It just means it's not quite the right time yet. There was little activity at Twitter's European headquarters in Dublin today. Staff had been told to stay home and wait for an email indicating whether they were keeping or losing their jobs. Last week we heard about the carnage at the company and the random and discriminate job cuts. But then this week we heard the company had laid off some of the wrong people and actually wanted them back. So what's been happening with Twitter? So who knew that, you know, deciding a a week after buying a company that you wanted to slash half the workforce would backfire on you? eh? I mean, how many companies have you seen that have done that? Like said, right, we're going to cut X amount of jobs and... You know, then it doesn't, then it usually takes weeks and weeks of of trying to pinpoint where the best job, where the best areas are to cut. Whereas everything I've seen about the Twitter cutbacks doesn't lead me to believe there was much thought put into this. It was just, you know, he took over. There's reports originally that there was talk of a 75% reduction. Then that was revised to 50%. Obviously, a lot of these companies have a lot of staff in a downturn. Not everybody is going to be essential, but you can't just come in and say, right, we're cutting this amount of people without doing any sort of analysis on what impact is that's going to have on the business. And that seems to have been what's happened here. I mean, people were finding out kind of mid-meeting that their jobs were one of the ones in the firing line because their access was being cut off while they were actually in a meeting about products Mm. and stuff like that, you know. And this just seems utterly mad. It seems a mad way to run a business that you've just bought for $44 billion. And look, you know, before anybody starts to spam my Twitter account, which I still have, or my mm, email me telling me why Elon Musk is a genius, I don't doubt that the man is smart. You know, he's built a lot of businesses and he's built a lot of successful businesses, but there, I don't think there's anybody who would consider this the best way to A, kick off your, your tenure of a new company, or B, decide um, who is going to lose their job by just this random, indiscriminate you know, hacking of jobs that it turns out actually they really need some of these people. I mean, he cut the team that was building the subscription feature, you know, the the Twitter blue team, the one that he was going on about, you know. The blue ticks. Yeah, if you want a blue tick, you have to have a Twitter blue subscription. He cut that team. I mean, that was just insane to me, obviously. I'm sure there's plenty of people who think that, Elon, this this is just absolute genius. And, you know, I've had people reply to me already about this on Twitter. I don't think it's a particularly smart way to do things, but then I'm not a billionaire, so what would I know? 
The IDA has always been brilliant at bringing in these companies when they were small. So it brought in Facebook, it brought in Google, when they were relatively small companies. Do we know what the IDA is doing now? I mean, is the IDA still working away, bringing in these other companies that might one day be the next Facebook or the next Google? I think, look, I, I think it's important for the IDA to keep keep doing that. I mean, they have the emerging, the, that emerging unit that has been very successful at bringing them in. But also we have to look at the companies that are being created here as well. And, um, you know, it's great to bring those companies in, but... What they also do is when these companies come to Ireland, you've seen it now happen with people who have left Google and gone on to found their own companies, people who have left even Intercom and Stripe and gone on to found their own companies. You know, that's that's the, the ecosystem that we have here now. So it's not just about the multinationals anymore. The multinationals play a part, but they also feed into the general ecosystem. And the people who are coming out of those you know, those once small, now big companies have their own ideas. They, they go, move on and they create their own startups and that is you know there there is a vibrant startup industry in Ireland there's a lot of potential here um okay. and i hate to be kind of you know uh, i hate to be the, the the downbeat about it all because look we we've we've been here before we will come through yeah. it again it's not the end of tech in Ireland i've seen some absolutely catastrophic pieces talking about you know, the death of the tech industry but it's not it's it's a correction these companies, like the likes of Google, um, you know, they've been through a couple of recessions here already. Uh, and, yeah. you know, any business will tell you that, you know, the recessions happen, cutbacks happen. But if you look at Dell a few years ago, when Dell closed its manufacturing in Limerick, everybody thought, oh, God, that's it. You know, Dell's gone. But they actually employ more people now than they did at the time. But they're just in different areas. So, okay. look, it's, you know, it, it is it's, it's a bad situation now, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be catastrophic. Kira, listen, thanks very much for talking to us and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much. Coming up, Owen Burke Kennedy on what the job losses will mean for the broader Irish economy. Is big tech the canary in the economic coal mine? That was the question asked by a headline over a piece that you had in the Irish Times earlier this week. But before I ask you to answer that question, can you remind me just how big big tech is to the Irish economy? Yeah, well, there are a number of different ways of kind of measuring or assessing this, but our headline GDP number, and that's the standard measure of national income used internationally, um, that's a good starting place. It's been kind of the strongest in Europe for the last decades. It's one of the strongest in the world. Uh, There's a lot of controversy around it. It probably uh, flatters our level of economic activity. But it's largely down to multinational exports. And these exports come from two sectors in the Irish economy. One is pharma and the other is IT. And it's just huge compared to the size of the Irish economy and the amount of people that live here. So I'll give you an example. Services exports last year, which is predominantly IT exports, amounted to 285 billion. And remember, this is separate from goods exports. This is just a services export. So you're thinking uh, Google, Facebook, Twitter, all the services that their European headquarters roll out all over Europe. That's coming from Ireland, that's coming from Dublin. And so a host of other uh, big tech companies have bases here. So the amount of services that are exported from Ireland are just gigantic. They're on, on a scale off the charts. So someone recently said that they were nearly comparable to the amount of financial services exported from London each year, which is an extraordinary comparison to make when you think Mm. that London is the financial capital of Europe. 
Figures released this evening show that bumper corporation tax receipts are continuing to boost the state's finances. But the government is warning that the strong performance... We keep hearing that we get billions of euro from the tech sector in corporation tax every year. But then we're told that the money can't be relied on for the longer term. So what has the government been doing with all these tax bonuses that it's been getting? Has it been using it to fund day-to-day spending or infrastructure projects? Or is all this money from big tech being put into a rainy day fund? We had exchequer figures just uh, last week and they showed that the money collected for the first 10 months of 2022 from the business tax, from corporation tax, was amounted to 16 billion. Now, when I started covering the economics brief here in the Irish Times, the full year total was around 5 billion. So the 10 month total is now 16 billion and we're probably going to hit 20 billion this year. So it's off the charts, astronomical. It's it's an amazing uh, reflection of the strength of the Irish economy and the big international firms that choose to locate here. But there's always been this slightly shadowy mark hanging over it. And that is so much of the tax comes from such a small group of companies. So 10 firms, just 10 firms, account for 60% of the receipts. So if you think we get 20 billion this year, 10 firms account for maybe 11 or 12 billion of that. So even if one of those firms was to make a strategic decision to leave Ireland or to fall on hard times or to find our services not in demand anymore, that could leave us in a difficult position. And so the government has been warned time and time again, whatever it does with this money, don't wrap it up into current spending where it's tied in. So use it, you know, wisely, use it maybe for once-off infrastructural projects or the economists would actually say, put it in a kind of buffer fund or a rainy day fund so you can have it as a kind of fallback position when you enter a recession. Now, for the first few years of this tax windfall, the government actually used it to cover up cracks in its health budget. And that was very controversial. And I think... You know, a lot of uh, the the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council criticised the government heavily for this. Now, the government will say that most of the windfall over the last few years have been used uh, for infrastructural projects, for capital projects, for housing and such like. You know, I mean, if you look at the recent budget, the government pushed 11 billion back into the economy. Now, remember, most governments around Europe are trying to rein in the excess money they spent on COVID. The Irish government was in an amazing position, probably the most unique position in Europe in being able to essentially announce a very, very strong spending budget, a giveaway budget by any stretch of the imagination, 11 Mm. billion put back into the economy. At the same time, it'll run a budget surplus. Now, there's very few economies in, in the world that can do essentially both those things because they usually pull in opposite directions. Fresh signs of weakness in the tech industry, more rounds of sweeping job cuts and hiring freezes. Amazon shares lower as it pauses corporate hiring. And now, in your piece, you noted that tech firms have been sending out some very worrying signals about the state of the global economy. And some of Silicon Valley's most powerful entities, the likes of Meta, Amazon, Apple, Google, Stripe and, of course, Twitter in recent days, have all been either announcing layoffs or hiring freezes in response to this difficult economic climate. What exactly has been happening on that front? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, someone said to me this morning that, you know, they may be first to hire, but they're also now being first, they're the first to fire. But it's interesting that, yeah, the tech sector, which, 
you know, did a bomb during COVID when we were uh, facing, you know, a pretty bleak economic period, everybody uh, switched to remote working. So demand for tech services went up. So it seems to be just a perennial growth story. And this is the first, I suppose, big kind of reversal. Uh, and it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's going on. You you hear a lot of uh, tech CEOs talking about having invested too much in the last few years and uh, the companies having to pare back. And that's one, one element to it. Another element is just, you know, if you're facing a constrained household budget, you, you can't really negotiate on food, heat and rent, but maybe, you know, the tech services, your, your Amazon purchases, your digital subscriptions may, uh, may be the ones that you're going to have to economize on. That's, that's one element. And then the other big element that I mentioned in my piece is rising interest rates. So many company valuations in the tech sector is based on future market share and future income growth. And of course, those things are flattered sometimes when interest rates are very low. And when interest rates start ticking up, the valuations begin to uh, come down a bit. So often in a period of higher interest rates, the tech sector is the first to show signs of distress. So what does a doomsday scenario look like for Ireland? I mean, what would be the worst case that we could be facing? Well, it's difficult to pinpoint some of these companies like Google, Apple, you think are so big, too big to fail. I use that uh, phrase in a certain amount of trepidation. But, you know, even if one big company was to pare back its operation here and and leave, that would have a significant impacts on our tax take. Just one company. And that's the concentration risk at the heart of the public finances that we flagged time and time again. And then the risk would be, I suppose, some of these companies have grown so big, so quick. What happens if there's a new technology, a new innovation or a switch in consumer appetite somewhere else? Could the company actually crash and burn and and just exit the country altogether? And what would be the impact here? You know, there are always sort of concerns. You know, I mean, you could say that about any industry. You can say that about the pharma industry. So it's very difficult to kind of crystal ball gaze and and see where all this is going. But at the moment, we're on a contraction phase and and big tech, I suppose, is representing that the best. Okay, so we had COVID and that, you know, caused untold chaos across the Irish economy and indeed to all our lives. And then we had the cost of living crisis and that's still ongoing. So if we were to add another crisis to the mix, that would be horrendous for Ireland. But I wonder, Owen, do you have any sense as to how worried we should be by this contraction? Yeah, well, just remember, the first crisis wasn't a crisis for the tech sector. The second crisis, we mentioned the cost of living crisis, the higher interest rates, that's definitely hitting them. And we can see the reaction now. At the moment, it looks like the companies have just bet too big on where the market is and where demand is going into the future. And they're now scrambling to kind of reconfigure their businesses. The question then is, is the tech sector the beginning of a a more serious global downturn that will impact other sectors like the other big export sector in Ireland, like pharma? At the moment, the Irish employment figures, the GDP numbers, the tax figures are all pointing in the right direction for us. But, you know, at the moment, we're just getting the first kind of flashing lights, lights in the cockpit, if you like. And so much depends on whether we get a soft landing in terms of interest rates and inflation. That's the key economic question in in the world at the moment. If central banks can raise interest rates to tame inflation without causing a protracted downturn, that's the key question. I mean, the Bank of England last week 
made such a gloomy forecast for the British economy. It was extraordinary. They are facing their into their probably the, going to be the longest recession since the 1920s. That even includes the Second World War, which is an extraordinary statement. Okay, Owen, with your talk of like, long recessions, soft landings, too big to fail, you're kind of scaring me here. So I wonder if we could finish by me asking you the question that you posed in that piece. Do you think big tech is the canary in the economic coal mine? And do you think that canary will keep on singing? Yeah, well, I think to a certain extent, you know, it's it's the first sector where we've had now what we haven't had the whole way along in this crisis, which is job layoffs. So if you think of recessions in the past, you always think of unemployment ticking up, uh, companies announcing uh, layoffs or ceasing operations. We haven't had any of that. We've had like full employment and it's been a kind of curious uh, phase. I mean, remember the beginning of the pandemic, you know, 30% of the of employees found themselves uh, sort of sitting at home on their hands and not able to work. So this now is beginning to feel and sound more like a traditional recession. So yeah, it's a, we're facing into a very uncertain time. How bad the downturn is going to be is going to be based on how high interest rates go and just how corrosive an impact they'll have on companies and economic activity. Owen Kennedy, thanks as ever for talking to us. That's it for today. This episode of In the News was produced by Suzanne Brennan and Aideen Finnegan. We'll be back on Friday.